the post-game edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast on the road, back from Champaign, or headed back to Lafayette from Champaign, after Purdue defeats Illinois 31-24 to go to 2-0 in the, on the season. First time Purdue has started a season 2-0 since 2007. First time Purdue has started a Big Ten season 2-0 since 2010. So a couple milestones made today and just saw on Twitter that this is the first time in the history of the Big Ten that Purdue, Indiana, and Northwestern are all 2-0 in Big Ten play. That comes from Dave Resvan at the Big Ten Network, so it's not just some dude on Twitter putting it out there. Dave is a real dude that knows his stuff, so you can believe it, which is a, a remarkable feat. Uh, in many ways, and it adds to the weirdness of 2020 that those three teams are 2-0, and Michigan gets beat at home by its rival, which lost to Rutgers the week before. Wow. And we're just two weeks into this thing. But anyway, let's start with the Purdue game. Uh, You know, looking ahead a little bit, Obviously, the concerns coming out of this game uh, for Purdue, number one is George Karloftis. Uh, what's his injury status? Uh, he was hurt in the first half. It believed, you know, based on just looking from the press box and watching the replays on TV, they were looking at uh, an ankle. Uh, George needed help to, to get off the field. Uh, he went back into the locker room, went in the medical tent, then went to the locker room, came back out. He was still dressed in uniform, um, but he didn't play in the second half. Uh, but that, that George's injury is a, is a key, key, key one to watch for Purdue. Um, you know, they, they absolutely need him on that defense. Uh, they didn't have the same kind of pass rush that they did with him there. I, I, I think you need to credit DeMarcus Rick Mitchell he, uh, he did step up and uh, got more involved defensively uh, after George went out. Uh, and, and when you're looking at when whenever Purdue's next game is, and we'll get to that in a little bit, uh, is, is DeMarcus a guy that can potentially fill uh, George's spot if, if that's what's needed uh, or how that's all going to work out? Uh, but, you know... Purdue needs George Karloftis on the field. I don't think there's really any question about that. And so, I mean, that's an injury to watch. Uh, Hopefully we'll get some sort of update uh, on Monday with Jeff Brom. Uh, But, you know, he did dress. He didn't get out of his uniform. Uh, So, you know, what what kind of sign that is, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd read too much into it other than George wanted to stay in uniform maybe uh, hopefully convince the coaching staff he could he could give it a go he, he did do some jogging uh, so you know worst case scenario you, you know he might miss a week or two but uh, you just don't want anything long term with that uh, Sam Garvin uh, really don't know about he had to be 
cart it off um, and take him back to the locker room. Again, a lower leg injury. Not sure exactly uh, uh, what what is wrong, but you know he is Purdue's starting center. Uh, he has uh, he has played well uh, during his time at Purdue, taking over last year. Uh, so you just you know it's, it's only the second week, and you you, you just kind of hate to to see guys start dropping a little bit. But you know that's the game, and the good news is Purdue has played a lot of offensive linemen the first two weeks. And the fact that Gus Hartwig, <coughs> excuse me, Gus Hartwig played, uh, you know, significant snaps in week one. Uh, Gus Hartwig came in and took over uh, Sam Garvin's spot at center uh, and handled a majority of the game. Uh, and could he have done that if he didn't play in week one? You know, probably not. I, I you know, no one knows uh, for sure, but uh, obviously those are two injuries that that uh, need need to be watched as as we move move forward. For the you know as far as the game is concerned, you know in my opinion, um, <laughs> really that's the only one that counts because I'm the one doing this. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was an, an even game. Uh, Purdue had a lot of penalties. A lot of really silly penalties. You know, there are penalties for effort. You know that happen, but then there are just silly penalties like jumping off sides on fourth and five, keeping a touchdown drive alive for Illinois, which happened. Running into roughing the punter uh, when it didn't need to happen, and some other things that you know Purdue had more than one offsides call it. Uh, you know, I guess it's one thing to jump off sides. It's another thing to line up off sides. And that, to me, that just doesn't... That, that just should not happen. It just should not happen. Um, but anyway, Purdue had a lot of penalties. 11 today. I think they had two last week. Two or three. Uh, so there was an increase in penalties. So, I mean, I, I really thought... And then you factor in the turnovers. Um... You know, Xander Horvath fumbled twice. Uh, you know, first time going in at the one, and he fumbles. You know, costing Purdue a touchdown, and then he fumbled it. You know, around midfield later. Uh, you know, he ended up with 100 yard rushing, but you know the fumbles are going to stick out a little bit. Uh, you know, ball security is so important. Uh, you know, and that's that's what Lovey Smith's teams do. They they ball hawk. They go after it. Uh, you know, Illinois was taking swings. At the ball with when Horvath was Horvath was running, um, so you know once you once you become a mark like that, you know they're gonna they're gonna keep trying to keep punching it out until until they do, and uh, this Horvath has to be um, really strong with the ball uh, because he he is the the only running back as of right now, and I I firmly believe that if there was another uh, running back available that uh, if King Daru was available he would have seen a lot of playing time today because I just don't think Jeff Brown would have st- stood for the, the fumbles in that situation but Xander did get 100 yards did pick up important yards on the ground uh, but again I think Purdue late in the game struggled to run the ball to put the game away uh, now they did put the game away 
and we'll get to David Bell in a minute. But you know, again, I, I, that's how I'm uh, I'm kind of measuring this running game this year. When when are you able to get the yards you need at the time that you need them? And you know, today was not a good day for that. You know, when you when you're late in the game and you need to get a couple first downs and you need to run the ball. Um, then, you know, you've got to be able to do it. And Purdue just didn't do it effectively enough late in the game uh, for it to, to make a to make an impact. And, I, and I've said this before. I, I think Jeff Brom gets frustrated with the running game and he gets uh, away from it probably a little too quickly um, because, you know, he's, he just, he's a guy that wants to throw the ball. And they've, you know, they have more weapons in the passing game. Um, but he's got to, you know, he's got to show a little bit more patience uh, on the on that side as far as giving the running game a chance. And you know, you need to do that early in the game to establish something. But uh, when you get late in the game, you know, when you got when you're trying to burn the clock, when you're trying to, you know, force the other team to use timeouts. Um, and you're trying to, to get things done, you've got to be able to, to run the ball unless you have David Bell, and then David Bell makes up for everything. Um, and those of you that watch the game, and I'm sure most of you have, I mean, the, the third down catch on third and 11 late in the game with just over 90 seconds to go, uh, you know, Purdue was, you know, this was a very, you know, this could have gone either way. Um, First two downs, Purdue tried to run on first down, lost a yard. Uh, they tried to do a slant pass on second down. And the ball got batted up in the air, and uh, Aiden O'Connell batted it down on the ground. And then on third down, Jeff just went all go routes with five receivers, and O'Connell wasn't going to throw it anywhere else. He was going to throw it to Bell, and he lofted it up. David went up, made a one-handed catch, and ball game over. Uh, that's... Um, that's how it worked, and you know David Bell just makes catches. He makes plays, and um, it's it's just it sounds so simple, but it looks so hard. But he keeps doing it, and he did it a couple times today, uh, where he's fighting with a defender. And I, uh, I guess you could have called some, you know, potentially offensive pass interference on him because he did, I think, extend his arm. But you could call defensive pass interference. You know they're basically mugging him up and down the sideline, and it being trying to be physical with him, trying to throw him off his game, throw him off his route, and, and it's not working. You know it didn't work today, it didn't work last week. Um, obviously Illinois was more aggressive than Iowa because Iowa sat back in the zone. Uh, Illinois was more man, and and he still beat him. You know he still made plays. Now you got to credit O'Connell for throwing the ball in the right place at the right time, but um, I mean the, the the guy's not you know he's not human when it comes to football. He's just not, and he's he's a joy to watch and he's a pleasure to cover. Uh, but it's just amazing just what he does and continues to do. Uh, he, you know, obviously as He's got next-level talent, and he'll get there. 
but I mean, you just talk about a guy stepping up, making plays when it's time. You know, that's David Bell, and I'm running out of I'm running out of ways to write about him and talk about him. Uh, but he, he's he's a special player, and he's probably a once. You know, Jeff Brom said it today. He's probably a once in a generation type player that Purdue or anybody else. It probably is not going to see uh, for a long time, if if ever. Uh, there'll be there'll be other good receivers. They have other good receivers on their team, but he is. Um, you know, I know there was a, a receiver that said he wanted to be the best in America, but that guy's not playing. Uh, David Bell is the best receiver in America, and every week the gap the gap widens, and it it, it keeps getting. You know, I could even tell you who's number two right now. But David Bell is clearly number one. And, uh, I see David Bell play every every game, and um, I kind of know what he's about. So, yeah, a little biased, but he's, you know, I haven't seen anybody else do it as well as he as he does it. And, and that's, that's just the plain, simple truth. So, um, you know, Bell kind of saved him a little bit. I guess if we were still into creative headlines, you know, newspaper headlines could have read "Saved by the Bell" again. Uh, so if you, if you don't understand that, Google it. Uh, but you know, Bell Bell kind of you know got him out of the weeds uh, and into the victory column in their two and zero. You know, and at the end of the day, that that's all that matters. Uh, but Milton Wright continued to have a good game. Off to a really good start this year. Um, a beautiful pass from O'Connell on the 45-yard touchdown to Dalton Wright. He dropped it right into, right into his lap, right into his hands. It uh, didn't break stride. I think on that play, David Bell went underneath, and uh, obviously everybody paid attention to him. And Milton just got behind two defenders and perfect throw by O'Connell, perfect catch, touchdown. You know, Purdue was up 14 to nothing. Uh, still kind of maintained and controlled the game. Uh, you know, kind of sputtered on offense here and there. That's what I say, uneven. Uh, you know, some of the issues they had last week popped up again. Uh, and again, it's you know, it's it's week two, so you're, you know, you you live with some of that stuff. Uh, but you know, probably a key moment in the game or what was looking to be a key moment in the game. Purdue got up 24 to 10. You know, Illinois had, had, had closed within 17 to 10 um, at halftime. And, you know, so Purdue got up 24 to 10. And the defense had just made a fourth down stop as Illinois was driving uh, in, in, in the red zone, or close to the red zone. I, th- I think, I think uh, they were at the 22. But, you know, the defense had just made a stop. And, you know, then the offense started to drive. Boom, boom, boom. They're moving down the field. They're moving down the field. They get in the red zone. Um, and then, boom, they, they're, uh, they're, they're knocking on the door. Um, and then it's fourth and one. You're up 24 to 10. Third quarter, late third quarter. And... Again, you're at the one, 34 to 10, or, or I'm sorry, uh, 24 to 10, you know, and, and, and Brom went for the knockout punch. 
you know, I, I agree with the decision because of the, the, the distance. It was one yard. It was one yard. I immediately agreed with the decision uh, because they had a chance to, to really extend that lead, put that game away, make it really difficult for Illinois. And we haven't even touched on Illinois, what happened to them before the game, and we'll get to that. But they're playing their four-string quarterback. Uh, so you got a chance to really kind of bury them and, and snow them under and make, make life really difficult for them. So I, I agree with the decision. I, I know there were, again, you know, Twitter, there are people on Twitter that didn't agree with it, uh, media people uh, that, that didn't agree with it. Uh, because, you know, I see that side where you, you're trying to go up three scores. You do, you kick a field goal, you're up 27 to 10, you're forcing Illinois to score three times. I get it. That's fine. But, I, you know, I think in this case, with one yard to go, you you go for you go for the touchdown, and the other part of it is if you don't make it, they've got to go 99 yards, and and you're trusting. To me, you're trusting your offense as much as you're trusting your defense in that situation. To say, well, if we don't get it, our defense isn't going to let them roll out a 99-yard drive, or at least that's the plan. And you're trusting your offense to get it. Uh, but as you know, they didn't get it. What I didn't agree with was the play call, and it looked out of sync and out of whack from the from the beginning. Um, I didn't really understand what it was. I think they were trying to um, get the ball to David Bell, which he did make the catch, but it was for a one-yard loss. I think they were trying some sort of um, legal, or maybe illegal, I don't know, pick play where the receiver came inside and then David Bell kind of circled around and and somehow they got clogged up with each other and O'Connell threw it and um, David you know caught the ball but lost a yard and was just like oh okay I I just I, I didn't really necessarily like the play call again I like the decision I didn't didn't really like the play call um, so you know that that you know that that kept Illinois in the game um, until two plays later when Marvin Grant who we asked about this week as far as getting on the field uh, did play uh, that played some snaps on Saturday. Anyway, Marvin Grant's at safety. And, you know, he lights up uh, Karan Taylor, the four-string quarterback. He fumbles. Jalen Graham falls on it, and Purdue has a touchdown. And then Purdue has its 21-point lead. That should have been the turning point. That should have been the game. That should have been, you know, good night, pack up, call the beef house. We're coming by to eat. But... As you know, it did it, that wasn't the case, but you know that that play kind of um, saved some second guessing about uh, Jeff's decision to go for it on fourth. But again, I was I, you know I, I'm, I was all for the decision. I just didn't like the play call. Um, and and again, they've they've struggled to run the ball. You know, I think you know, I, I just hope they don't force feed 
David Bell and these guys too much that you forget about the tight end uh, and you forget about some other guys in the offense that can really help you. Uh, that's that, that was my fear coming into the season when Rondell came back is that they would force feed the ball to Rondell to showcase him and to put him you know, out there as, as much as they could to, to allow him to make as many big plays as he could. Uh, and, I, and I thought that could be a detriment to the team if that kept happening, if you're just force-feeding it and you're not getting the completions you need and the ball could be going other places and you could be gaining a lot more yards and maybe getting in the end zone a little bit more often. I, I don't, you know, David Bell had 21 targets last week. Um, uh, you know, he didn't reach that number this week. At least I don't think so. Um, but guys like Payne Durham and the tight ends and Ahmad Anderson, who's, who's playing some slot, uh, you know, they got a chance to help you in those in some of those situations. But you know, again, all you know, I'm not going to say all's well that ends well because you know that that's not that's not really true. But Purdue did. Purdue was able to to make a play and get a 21 point lead, and that should have been it. But um, you know, Purdue couldn't move the ball enough to eat eat time off the clock. And they were forced to punt a couple times. And Brooks Cormier, uh, he punted three times. He had a 51-yard punt. But his last two traveled, didn't even travel that distance combined. He had a 19- and 28-yard punt. And gave Illinois excellent field position. They took advantage, scored twice. Uh, to the point where, you know, they got the, they got the ball back and was driving and it was a chance to to tie the game but on a, I think a fourth and ten uh, they they threw a pass for five yards and they gained five yards so that, that's that's one thing that bugs me you know you, you, you throw that ball in the end zone uh, you try to you try to get a play you try to get a pass interference you try to get something but you throw that ball in the end zone you don't throw it five yards you know Purdue is always already in a prevent type of defense. They're going to give you five yards, but they're not going to give you ten. Um, but anyway, punting was another issue where, with uh, Cormier where um, he just didn't deliver at the time he needed to deliver. Uh, and, you know, I think Jeff might have changed punters if he had to punt again. Um, so, you know, that's, that's something else I'll also to watch going into the next game is whether... Um, whether there's a change there, um, you know they brought in competition. Jeff used two punters last last year. Surprised he hasn't started doing it this year. Uh, but you, know, you got a chance to, you know, Cormier has a, has a big enough leg that he needs to help the defense um, by getting off good kicks and making Illinois or whoever put together a drive uh, especially in, you know to try to tie the game uh, so yeah that's something that, that you know that needs that needs to get fixed uh, from from Purdue standpoint you know you mentioned Illinois you know we got there today all of a sudden the buzz around the press box was that uh, you know Illinois was going to be missing a lot of players which it did uh, but only two of the players had tested positive for COVID. 
one of them happened to be the starting quarterback, Brandon Peters, uh, who obviously did not play, and then uh, redshirt freshman tight end also uh, tested positive. But the other part of it, too, is, and this is, I didn't really understand this side of it because, you know, really wasn't my story to get involved in. But I, I always thought with um, the daily testing that you eliminated the contact tracing, that there was really no need to do that. Well, Illinois um, announced that like 12 other players would be out because of contact tracing to be out this week and next week. Uh, so I, I, I was a little baffled by that. Uh, because I didn't think that was a thing anymore. Contact tracing, at least for those that are testing every day. But they had this long list of players that were out. I mean, they, they didn't have their regular kicker. They didn't have their regular center. Uh, there were other guys missing. Uh, and, you know, credit to them to dealing with that all week. And there were some, some rumblings around the Purdue Performance Complex that Illinois had some positive cases, but I, I don't know if that was ever really confirmed. Derek Barnes said uh, they start hearing rumblings about it this week, but really didn't pay close attention and probably probably till this morning or Saturday morning uh, as they're getting ready to play. I think that's when it became a little bit more definite that Illinois would be missing some players. And they would not be playing the same quarterbacks that Purdue prepared all week to play. Um, but, you know, yeah, Purdue gave up some yards, over 400. Uh, but, you know, kept them out of the end zone when it was time. And defense still needs some work. You know, they've got some questions because of George uh, Karloftis and, um, and some other things. But, you know, they're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to see some improvement. Uh, on that side as they get a little bit deeper into the season here. Uh, but anyway, and regarding deeper into the season, you know, as you know, next week is uh, scheduled to be at Wisconsin, but uh, Wisconsin has announced that uh, I believe they're up to 22 or 24 positive cases. Uh, Ten of those are members of the staff. Another 10 to 12 are members of uh, the team. Uh, and the earliest that they can get back working out as a team is, I believe, Wednesday. And that would give them Wednesday and Thursday and Friday to prepare uh, for Purdue. Paul Chris, their head coach, uh, tested positive. Um, and I think I saw a press release today that said that first time he can be uh, back is Thursday, November the 5th. And, you know, I know that Purdue played a game without Jeff Brom, um, and Wisconsin can play a game without Paul Chris handling all the, uh, the details leading up to the game. So that's, that's definitely a possibility. Uh, but I just don't know if you... If you ask a football team to, uh, if you ask a football team who's been off for a week to all of a sudden ramp up preparations 
from a physical standpoint and play play a game after three days of preparation. I just don't think that's you know if you're if you're all about health and safety, I'm not sure that has health and safety in mind. It has a different kind of health and safety than what most are talking about right now with the virus. But now you're dealing with another health health and safety issue that um, I'm not sure. I, I'm not confident that game will be played next week. And if it's not played next week, it won't be played. Because there's just no wiggle room. And uh, the Big Ten really backed itself in a corner by not starting Labor Day with the, the quote, Jenga 41 schedule they had put out. Uh, they would save their, their time so much, so much heartache uh, in, in this situation if they just started the dang season uh, or tried to start the dang season over Labor Day. Uh, you had bye weeks built in. You had off weeks there. You had, you had two of them uh, between Labor Day and Thanksgiving. You had a golden opportunity to, to get a season in without any, without major interruption. Uh, yeah, you'd had to reschedule some stuff, but it was all built in. You knew when it was going to happen. But the Big Ten really, really, really screwed this up. And they continue to screw it up by their inaction uh, in this case. Um, where, you know, there's going to be a team probably in the West, if, if next week's game get, gets canceled by, you know, Purdue or Wisconsin, there's going to be a team, or at least one team in the West that's going to play six games. And you have to be you have to play six games to qualify for the Big Ten title game um, so you can so you can play it and if not uh, it depends on who all played and um, how many games there were and all that kind of stuff so it's mumbo jumbo tie breaking all that all that stuff that just makes your head hurt um but, you know, I, I just don't, right now, I don't see how that game gets played. I just don't. And I might be wrong. They might be able to pull it off. I think we'll know early in the week, probably Tuesday, uh, whether the game gets played or not. And if not, it's just going to be an off week for, for Purdue and Wisconsin, and they'll move ahead to Northwestern. Does this benefit Purdue in any way? Oh, oh yeah, it does. I mean, Wisconsin looked really good when they beat Illinois. Um, you know, and they have a, a first-year quarterback, but they still have a strong offensive line. They have a strong t- uh, defense. Uh, it's still Wisconsin. Uh, so if Purdue can avoid playing Wisconsin, um, that that helps them. I mean, there's just no other way around it. Now, this might be the perfect time to play Wisconsin uh, because they're not going to have the practice time that Purdue's had. You know, they didn't have a game last week to figure out what happened in week one and how to fix it. Uh, now, they, they can look at a lot of film. They can game prep. They can game plan by watching what happened today between Purdue and Purdue's game, uh, and, you know, and break down film and and uh, get, it, uh, get it together. But physically, they can't do anything until Wednesday. And, you know, they're going to look to take it easy on them. Uh, they're not going to jump right back into the deep end. Uh, so it's it's just something that everyone knew that would probably happen at some point uh, during the season, whether it be the Big Ten or somewhere else. And other other conferences have dealt with 
postponements and cancellations. And now it's going to be the Big Ten's turn to to deal with it and see how they manage it and what happens uh, at the back end of all this, um, both from a Big Ten standpoint and also a college football playoff standpoint because uh, the committee would love to have Ohio State in the mix uh, because they're they're that good, uh, but that doesn't mean it will it will it will actually uh, happen. Well, uh, appreciate you step, stopping by for a uh, post-game edition of the uh, uh, Boilers Extra podcast. Just trying to think what I what I might have forgotten from from the game uh, today. I think I hit on all the high points, um, but you know if I didn't, I didn't. We'll, we'll catch up uh, the next time, and I'm I'm sure you know I I did miss something or I didn't talk about something, and you know when I turn turn the recording off I'll think of it and that's like well do I want to do the whole damn thing over again or do I just am I just going to let it ride and I'm going to say I'm going to let it ride uh, so I apologize in advance if I forgot something or uh, or whatever a- anyway uh, again appreciate you stopping by we'll get one we'll get another podcast out uh, next week sometime once we we figure out exactly uh, what the game situation is going to be like uh, at, at Wisconsin. In the meantime, have a good day. And any questions or comments, you know where to find me. And would love to hear from people. Uh, whether you have a question or a comment or uh, just a longtime fan of football. All right. Take care. Have a good day. And uh, we'll be back next week.